0: Welcome to Questions About Heaven, a podcast about giving Bible answers to our questions about the afterlife with God. Each week, we seek to answer real-life questions with biblical answers about the life beyond this world. Now, here's your host, Brad Zockel. And hello to you once again. This is Brad Zockel, and you are listening to the Questions About Heaven podcast. And our series lately has been on the book of Revelation, literally verse by verse. I'd like to take you through there. It will be quite a journey that we'll have. But I think in listening to these podcasts again, and in going over them, whether you are teaching a Bible study to a small group, to a church, to a youth group, to a camp, or just for your own personal learning, that you will be able to just really grow in the Lord in finding out exactly what each of these verses tell you, In this great and mysterious book it's the book of Revelation the Greek word is apokalypsis, and it means unveiling and so what is being unveiled well the first chapter makes that very clear it's the revelation of Jesus Christ we see him in his full glory in reading through the first chapter you get the very idea not only is this the King of Kings the Lord of Lords manifest with power and glory above and beyond the biographical books known as the Gospels, but you're going to see that he wins. You know, the book of Revelation is not about a cataclysmic ending to the world anywhere as much as it is on the wonderful beginning of the forever state, the eternal state with Jesus Christ, living with Him, enjoying Him, understanding Him. Do you know that there's no prayer in heaven? It's direct talk with Jesus face to face. Do you know that there are no church services in heaven? Because as the Lord lays the, the, the tent of meeting over all of the universe in the new heaven and the new earth, we're with him constantly. And so we're learning some wonderful things here. Now, I would like to say that the next reading would be wonderful as far as the, the benefit to the church, the church of Sardis. I would love to say that there is a wonderful message from God through John the writer. John is writing this while he's on the Isle of Patmos, and he's receiving this vision. And before we go into the future section, which is starting in uh, chapter 4, he's writing to the churches on this mail route that takes you all the way around. And so far, we've looked at the message to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira. Now we're coming to Sardis, and as we're going through here, Oh, this isn't a good message. Let's go ahead and read this. And then what I'll do is we'll go down through this verse by verse and see uh, what the Lord is telling this church and how it applies to us. We start in chapter 3 and verse 1. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, He who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this, I know your deeds, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen the things that remain which were about to die, for I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. So remember what you have received, and heard, and keep it, and repent. Therefore, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come to you. But you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments, and I will not erase his name from the book of life and I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now you have six verses here, but boy, I'm telling you what. This is a slam between the eyes on uh, just a rebuke, a terrifying rebuke, as a matter of fact, as we go and reread through this. Revelation chapter 3 is talking about Sardis. Sardis was a city. uh, If I could tell you... If there was a description in one word about the city itself, it would be, I guess you'd say soft. There was no real, I I guess they just kind of went with the wind. They were very wealthy. And uh, I believe that uh, if I have this right, they were the first city in history to mint coins. They were the first location that actually took metal and minted it. Uh, They had a river that was running within their vicinity that had gold in it and plenteous. So this was an area, uh, a great desire among many nations to be able to take it over. And uh, so Sardis was known by this. They didn't really care about anything, never really stood for anything. Nothing really stood out. They were, if you want to say this old term that was used years back, I can remember, fat and sassy. Or maybe even you would say this more specifically, fat and lazy. They were in a point where they just felt that they could do anything because they had money. And, you know, immediately we start realizing that this could talk about certain Christians. You know, I've been teaching for 30 years, and I will have students sit on the edge of their seat and listen and be there and make A's, and I'm so excited about the future for them. And the first thing that comes across social media is they're in some sort of a decadent lifestyle. They're using language which would not be appropriate to honor the Lord. They're partaking in activities, and here's the thing, they're showcasing it. And basically, I'd say, spiritually, they're fat and sassy, fat and lazy in this sense. Spiritually, now, is what I'm talking about. They're under the idea that if they did so much for the Lord, they can do anything that they want, or under the idea that they have been, they've come to Christ and they will not lose their salvation, then they pretty much can live a life of total decadence and uh, narcissism and really not care about anything else. They don't want to offend anybody, uh, and by not doing so, they offend the cause of Christ. But I see that uh, more often than not, and it's a very, very sad thing. And I think many times we have people that are involved in a, a Sardis type of thinking. Somebody had asked me in a class time. This was going to be about a day or so ago. And they said, but if you're working so hard within this uh, faith, how could you not be saved? Well, Sardis is a good example. I've been saying this for better than 30 years whenever I talk about the Christian walk. Activity does not equal accomplishment. Just because you are busy does not mean that you're actually getting things done. You know this. You have many times what used to be called in the corporate circles, paper shufflers. They moved about and they did things. And at the end of the day, the uh, the authorities or the boss, the superiors would say, show me what you have accomplished. And they really couldn't. Oh, they were very busy. But that time on the phone may have been in unproductive things. Well, that's what's going on here. Sardis is a very, very busy church. And they really get the idea that they're accomplishing a lot. All right, so let's go through this and let's talk about this. And let's understand maybe we have a bit of a Sardis attitude in our Christian walk or in the walk of our church, and it ought to be addressed here too. To the angel of the church in Sardis, right, okay? So when he's talking about this, we're talking about this area that was very soft, very rich and soft, very well known for this and established. Now, in that, there was a uh, the uh, goddess worship, and in there, there was all kinds of decadence involved in everything. It's, hey, you know, go with what feels good in that. And that was going over, and it seemed like it was uh, a part of the church. The church was, was getting very, very soft. Now, I found this. This is a very, very interesting story as I started looking. Sardis had been conquered twice. And if I have the dates down, one of them, they were conquered by the Persians in 549 B.C., and then again by the Greeks in 195 uh, B.C. And uh, the, uh, the story is very, very interesting on this, that we found out that they were about to be conquered, I think it was by the Greek army, but it looked like their town, their, the, the way that it was situated, Sardis is situated uh, in the midst of very steep cliffs. And it was on the end of a spur, and so they could easily guard themselves, and they were very cocky about this. And the story goes that these soldiers were trying to find out a way to get into this seemingly uh, insurmountable fortress, climbing the cliffs, trying to find out where is the entrance, didn't see anything. So the story was told to me that there uh, they were soldiers, either one or a group, small group of soldiers that hid themselves across the valley and kept observing for a length of time, trying to find out, just observing, observing this place, and looking at the soldiers across there, unknown that they were being spied on. Those soldiers at the watchtowers would call to each other, call out the times. And so I was told in this very curious story, as some were calling about and talking, it was a time for the change of a shift, and one of these soldiers, uh, in a flippant move, lost his helmet. It fell over the side of the outside of the city. It actually fell over the outside wall, and the call was for them, uh, for that soldier to go out and get his helmet, or else he'd get in trouble uh, with, you know, the uh, the army that he was in, the uh, the guardianship. And so he climbed out. Well, now he's being observed when he went out, and there was a secret entrance he left in the walls. And when those soldiers saw him just suddenly appear and then disappear and then appear again. They got the idea, and then long story short, they found that secret entrance that this soldier did not try to... He just walked out very brazenly and picked up it and walked right back in. Well, they followed that secret entrance, and that's what they did. That's the, the entrance they found to gain access to the city and take it over. You see, Sardis did not guard itself. It had become very soft. Those uh, guards were more or less just in figurehead just standing there to give the appearance of authority, and nothing actually happened. Well, that's the same way. This is tied to the the church itself. They are there thinking that their reputation is giving them a guardianship against any problems, and in reality, they're being infiltrated all over. These things says he who has the seven spirits of God. What does that mean? Well, you know, it might be better if it would say the sevenfold spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, in uh, the sevenfold manifestation of ministry. You'll find this in Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 2 uh, that would describe this in answer. So we're not talking about seven Holy Spirits or some uh, polytheistic approach here. It's talking about that in here. Here's what it tells us here in here. Listen to the seven different references to the Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge of the fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. And when you see all this, you're seeing this description of the Spirit, the sevenfold ministry of the Holy Spirit there. And that's what it's talking about here. Uh, There's nothing to worry about a polytheistic approach here. And the seven stars. Okay, so seven is the number of completeness in the Bible. And so what we're saying is this, the complete Spirit of God. And also, and the seven stars are the seven ministers delivering these messages. The seven, it says angels, which can also mean in the Greek, the ministers, the messengers, carrying them around. And those were representing the church. So Jesus is carrying the completeness of the church there too. And when Jesus tells us this, in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 20, tells us that these are the messengers of the seven churches. He's letting them know, I am in control of these churches. I am... and fully the embodiment of the spirit of of, of Godness here. And I need you to know, as one of the churches I'm watching over, we have a problem here. I know your works that you have a name that you're alive. I know this. He has eyes flame of fire, which tell us, as we know, every time you look in the Bible, the symbolism is fire equals holy judgment. He looks upon each one in holy judgment and says, we have a serious problem here. I know your works. All right? I know what you're doing. I know how you're appearing, that you have a name, that you are alive. You give yourself a title of being active. You are presenting yourself in a way. Don't we have churches like that today that want to be known as the happening thing in town? And I'll go through billboards throughout the different states, and there will be, on occasion, a church that wants to give the appearance that they're very Hollywood-like, theater-like, active-like, And such and I don't really get a message about what we're going to learn about the Lord this is a place of worship to the Lord Uh, on that well they want to build a reputation and we've heard through the past years here of many churches uh, one in New York for example that had this reputation this way that fell because there was corruption inside even some of the workers who volunteered their time to help set the staff was very cruel to us very indifferent Just did not care. Oh, we had a reputation in New York of being very active and holy. But on the inside, we had, well, this is what it's talking about. You have a reputation of this. But, this is very striking, you are dead. You are dead. There is a lifeless presentation in my observation here. We're not seeing him saying, you're in battle and you are being persecuted. No, you're dead. There's not a battle here because you're not even strong enough to walk in the battle to put on the armor. Oh, you're busy. It's kind of like you're toying around back in the trenches when everybody else is out on the field, and you think that this means that you're active. You're making noise in the trenches. You might even be cooking up a meal during the wartime, but you're not in battle at all. This is a serious problem here. This would be what we would call soft Christianity, if we can even call it Christianity, at all. I don't want to offend. I want to tolerate everybody. Listen, your church and mine welcomes everybody in to hear the word, but to have them in membership or to move to the way that society goes. When I visited a church of another faith one time in one of my religious surveys that I have with the academy, uh, one of the leaders of that faith told us, they said, we are socially minded It is utmost that we're socially managed. And I thought that they meant that they were saying they reach out to the poor, they reach out to the needy. They said, no, we follow the dictates of society. What society wants, we will give. And so, when there was the question of sexual immorality, then the church said, well, we will understand that and we will tolerate that. Okay, well, this is what's going on here. And that is the reason why people are so confused today in any faith, if it is just like, well, I dictate to you what your faith is, you're following me, and there are more than one person, there's more than one person that wants to have stability and to understand some absolute truths, not just a relativistic relativistic society here. What Jesus is looking for is in verses 2 through 4, be watchful, strengthen the things which remain, be watchful, now, I'm looking here, and it's as if we look on the beach, and we see a beached uh, a fish of some kind, uh, a whale, we might see a mammal, uh, the, uh, one of the uh, dolphins on the beach, a shark, and we're looking and saying, well, it looks like it's dead, and somebody sees something twitch. Okay, there's hope for it. Well, that's what's happening here. The things which re- remain, there's a chance for something to happen here. I've not found your works perfect. Your works... You're saying that you have works here, but I'll remind you again, activity does not equal accomplishment. Going through the motions of prayer does not necessarily mean you're having a successful prayer. Just because you are working in the children's outreach and hating every minute of it, but you're there because you want to be known as uh, an active worker, Uh, you, you are in a position of authority or in activity in your church, and you're really indifferent to it. It's the social aspect. Well, that's the sardis danger that we're seeing here. It's not perfect before God. I've not found the, your work perfect. All right? You're doing a lot of things, but you're not, not doing job one, if I can use that term here. Remember how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Turn around. We, I, I said, if you want to use a mathematical term, repent means a 180 degree turn, to turn around. You remember how you first received and heard the word of God? What, why did you walk away from that? Did you lose your first love? Did you leave your first love, as we've heard earlier, to the other church? Hold fast to these things. Turn around. Look back in this. This is what we do. We want you to see the Word of God as being quick and powerful on there. If you don't watch, I will come to you as a thief, if you are not watchful. And as I told you about the city, when the watchmen were not careful, the city of Sardis was overtaken. They may remember that when he says this. I will come upon you as a thief in the night. Be watchful now. Now, within you, there are there is some hope. There's a few names even in Sardis who have not defiled their garments. There were a faithful few in there. And then we see this. When they were there, these few names, the remnant, will still be powerful. In the book of Kings, it talks about the remnant that will still say faithful to the Lord despite the fact that most of Israel would walk away, the same thing here. Most would want to go to a social uh, faith, and these ones say, no, we will stay true to the Lord. Okay with those, those not defiled their garments. All right, and so when we see this, and we, we find out that as we talked about this in Revelation chapter 7, and as the reference to who are those over here that are in, in, in Revelation 7 says, these are the ones who have washed their garments in the blood of the Lamb. And blood, which would usually defile a garment, the blood of the lamb cleanses the garment, cleanses the life of the believer. They will walk with me in white. This is a promise with Jesus. Just like in the garden, when God walked with Adam and Eve in peace and would visit them. And in Revelation 21.3, he shall walk with us because he's going to live with us on the new earth and be with us continually and dwell with us. There's the promise here the the white the pure walk with them walking with the lord i think it's one of the greatest joys that i look at whenever i talk uh with with those about heaven and i love talking about that walking with the lord and when i read it's a great comfort here he who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments i will not blot his name out from the book of life now clothed in white garments they've not defiled their garments all right revelation chapter 3 and verse 4 they've not done they'll wear them Christ has given those. Uh, we see Christ also awarding garments in Revelation chapter 6, 9 through 11 to the martyrs for their faithful. Well, these overcomers here will also be given there. This wonderful truth. Well, I'm looking here and I'm seeing that I'm over 20 minutes in on this podcast. And so, what I'm going to do is wrap it up with our next podcast here and get you some final thoughts here. So, thank you so much for being patient here and learning about this, rewind this and listen to this as many times as possible. Teach this to your uh, your congregation or to your Bible group and anything. You don't need to give me any attribution. God doesn't have a copyright on his word. I hope that you can use this. And listen, if you take a look over at Zulon.org, X-U-L-O-N, that's uh, my ministry. And uh, we're just doing a, just a, an extensive work as much as possible trying to reach people with Christ's Words of assurance and truth and the gospel. And if you can, if it, you think the Lord would have you to uh, donate anything, there's a page where you can put something on on PayPal, anything like that. But if not, just pray for us. I appreciate you so very, very much. Take care, and we'll have our next podcast coming up if we talk some more about these very important passages in Revelation.